You're listening to the How in the World podcast, where we tackle global issues and discuss how we as Christians can make a lasting difference. My name is Rini Sharest, and I pastor in the heart of the Central Valley in beautiful California. I'll be sitting down with guests from every walk of life to discover innovative ways that we can make an impact. This is the How in the World podcast. Hey, welcome to How in the World Podcast. I'm your host, Rini Sharest. I have a special guest, Alex Delgado. Welcome to How in the World Podcast. And today we're going to talk about teen health, teen suicide, teen identity. And we know that the, the pandemic that's happened on a global level is causing some pretty serious issues with our young adults. And Alex, you are a youth pastor at Cornerstone Church. Yes. And I'm going to ask him a bit about what he does, his passion, and hopefully by the time we're done, you'll have great resources to help you if you are struggling with an issue or you know someone who is. So I'm going to start, first of all, with your story. What gets you up in the morning? What is your passion and why do you do what you do? Well, um, the Bible says those who have been forgiven much love much. And uh, I was robbed of my youth and got caught up in drugs and alcohol and chasing everything else and ended up completely suicidal, not wanting to live anymore. My identity was completely found in what I had. Kind of like you, I came out of the business world. Mm -hmm. I was a stock trader in Chicago. Uh, Quick money, really fast, you know, in uh, NASDAQ and S&P 500 futures. And when that thing tanked in 2010, yeah. everything was gone. Yeah. And um, I had to come to a realization that there was a God, and I didn't know him, and I had to get right with him. And he set me free, and never in my life would I have thought youth ministry. I thought I was going to be the next Billy Graham, <laughs> just go save the world. But God has a funny sense of humor, and uh, I've been in youth ministry now for a little over five years. And it gets me up in the morning knowing that I can restore the lo- the years the locusts have eaten mm-hmm. in the next generation's life because I was robbed of mine. So it's a passion for me and my wife who share similar testimonies mm-hmm. from our pain and now has a purpose. And by the way, I've seen you preach high energy, dynamic, and we're going to have a link at the bottom of this video where you can watch some of his uh High energy uh, preaching. It's awesome. Yeah, I just when you don't know what to say, you start screaming. <laughs> I'm Cuban, so that works well for me. It's kind of like the I Love Lucy show. That's the house. default, right? Yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Well, now of course you now you obviously feel called yeah. to to uh, invest in our young our young adults, and I call them. I know there's the next gen. I know there's uh, Gen X. There's all these words, but I call them the now generation, because I see them being used now. And we are empowering our young adults now. But the problems they face are now. And I just wanted to, you know, I looked up some surveys because these are things I know you're dealing with, but UNICEF just finished a survey, and this is global, across the globe. And it says that the results of this COVID pandemic and all the safety measures we've taken have caused the young adults 12 to 18 mm. to have high increase in anxiety, depression, fatigue, and a general pessimism about their future. Mm. And then in the United States, they did this medical study with hospitals. And in the bigger cities, and Fresno's a pretty big city, but in the bigger cities, 
where they have the really aggressive lockdowns. Some of the hospitals reported a 250% increase in attempted suicides with young adults. So have you seen the impact of that? How are you, uh, I mean, are you noticing it? Is it significant? And what are you doing about that? It's astronomical. I mean, the statistics can't even um, do it justice to what we're dealing with. You're talking kids who may have been churched, kids who have not been churched. I mean, after the first sin in the Bible, what did they do? They isolated. Mm-hmm. You know, the devil got them to leave the presence of God, and God is saying, where are you? So when kids are alone, kids are going to make mistakes in life. Mm-hmm. And statistics show that if they have one positive adult role model in their life, male or female, they have an 80% chance more likely to make it in life. And that has been removed. Some of our kids, I mean, the whole spectrum has been affected. From a church kid whose family's at home, Mm -hmm. they're miserable because they're in their room all day. They're not with friends. They don't belong to anything. Mm -hmm. They don't have a role to play anywhere. Their sports have been taken Mm -hmm. away from them where they were actually accepted. I mean, we we talk about sports saving kids from the violence of neighborhoods and Mm -hmm. getting them out of poverty. Now that's been taken from them. Mm -hmm. So, And then the kids who don't have positive role models at home they can't figure zoom out on Mm -hmm. themselves they don't have anybody there making them get on there so they're just in their heads and they're isolated and they believe the voice of their feeling Mm -hmm. not the voice of reality Mm -hmm. and nobody is speaking life into them so what we noticed with the church closed and the schools closed Mm -hmm. they were all alone and you try to bring another zoom call (laughs) after a kid has been on zoom for nine (laughs) hours a day even the gospel is having a hard time penetrating Uh and i think that's the fatigue statistic uh that you you mentioned uh one of our guys inside juvenile hall he's been a licensed therapist for 45 years he's the lead chaplain in all of juvenile hall we work directly with him he says in his entire career in 45 years, he's never seen suicide attempts mm. at a higher rate. And he says they've compacted in, he was in the eighth month of last year, the last five years, they've already done more in mm. eight months than in the last five years total. Wow. Between, that's just teens. Yeah. So I would say two out of three of my students have thought about suicide. Well, that brings me to another question. I hope that we have teachers and pastors and parents listening and watching this podcast. Because tell me, what are the kind of some telltale signs that a a teenager or a young adult is in really big trauma that, that you can tell? You know, what do you look for to say, you know what, there's trauma going on and I need to intervene in their life. Can you tell me or tell the parents or yeah. pastors, whoever, what are things we can look for to, that we know this is not good, this is not healthy? One of the easiest signs for me to tell is if a kid won't look me in the eyes. If he's talking to me and he's just looking down and he's filled with that much guilt, that much shame, that he can't even make wow. eye contact with me. And, and some of my best students are in that. And they're just looking down because they don't want to disappoint you. You know, they know that you don't believe in harming yourself, that you mm-hmm. preach life and hope. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they look at you and they feel less than because they think that you're on this holy mountain and never have these right. feelings. Right. So 
if they're not making eye contact with me, that's a huge red flag. A second one is spouts of anger because mm. it has to come out out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Yeah. You can't hold that in. And then the, the quiet isolation that many of us know. Are yeah. they making dinners? Yeah. Are they eating? Has mm. their wardrobe changed? Has their music changed? Are they wearing dark colors? I mean, these are things that we you know sometimes yeah. overlook. Yeah. It's very true when you have an athlete who was smiling right. with a tan and now he's wearing all black every day. Yeah. Hey, what's going on? You know, how are you? So give me, uh, every parent knows what I'm about to say. You talk to your kids and they say, I'm fine. Yeah. Nothing's wrong. It's all good. School was fine. So w when they give you those blanket answers, parents sometimes think that the kid doesn't want to be helped. But how, how do you get past those blanket statements knowing that in their heart they really do want to be yeah. you know, encouraged? That's a great question. And we have to come to the realization that we can't connect with everyone, but we can surely find someone who can connect with them. So connection and time spent, you're gonna have to find what interests that student. Mm -hmm. So a student that's musically gifted is gonna want nothing to do with me because I can't talk music, I can't hold a note, but now I can go to my worship pastor. I like you more right now, by the way, than <laughs> yes. I did before, yeah. so I'm the same way. Yeah. And it's funny, because I pray that my daughter will be a worship leader one day, and I was like, I don't know who she's gonna learn that from. So uh, I gotta find someone yeah. to invest in her. So I think uh, building a bridge of communication in their interests first. So there has to be a foundation that I am investing in what you like before I'm asking you anything or for you to reveal any type of information. I just wanna invest in you mm -hmm. and build with you. And sometimes that means for some students, they're so traumatized from abandonment issues mm -hmm. that you just gotta show up five or six times and they may not say nothing. And on the seventh time, they're gonna tell you your whole life story and you're, and you're wondering what yeah. just happened. They needed to know that you would just show up and be consistent. So I'm, I would just assume that you get calls from parents that's, that, is, that can't reach their kids and they call you in desperation or your wife or whatever and they say, help, they won't talk to me. And they really put the weight on your shoulder as a youth pastor yeah. to intervene. Has that happened quite a bit? And Yeah, unfortunately it happens more often than not. But uh, that's what we're here for. Mm -hmm. And we're here with, we can't do this alone. I mean, mm -hmm. everybody has yeah. a part. Some parents help reach other kids. Right. <laughs> and there's, okay. you know, usually they're not going to open up to somebody at home <laughs> first. Yes. Unfortunately, you know, it's, parents can say it all day long. I have a 14-year-old son. There's mm -hmm. other people speaking into his life and that I trust and say, you know what, I want him to be able to tell you something that he wouldn't tell me yeah. if that is going to help him be a better person and let somebody else pour into his life in the hopes that he will share everything with me. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, I want to go on that statement you made how some of the stuff they love has been taken away, sports yeah. and things like this. And I, I love this quote. It says this, Successful people don't fear failure, but understand that it's necessary to learn and grow from. As an adult, you get that. Yeah. But as a young adult, when they feel failure, or they fail at something, or something's taken away, to them, the entire universe has collapsed. Yeah. Their universe, they don't have two decades of going through failure to success. Yeah. They just know everything failed. 
So what do you do when, uh, how do you help young adults process failure? Yeah. I assume you've had failures in your life. You started <laughs> with some of the failures that led you, yeah. to, led you to Christ, to follow yeah. Christ. But how do you help them process the inevitable failures that we all have? Yeah, that's a great question. The main reason that we have a platform right now is because of all the pain we went through. You, you can't have a testimony without right. a test, a message without a message, all the one-liner right. church right. things. But one thing that we promote is that when you're in your pain, you're actually being set up for a promotion in the kingdom. Mm -hmm. So we really promote that in this failure, God's going to restore and then use you to help someone else. So really we're giving hope that this has a purpose, that it's not just a failure without an outcome, that mm -hmm. if, you, if we can walk through this, for instance, um, if you have to sit a leader down because something they did, mm -hmm. well, in our job, the kingdom is always about restoration. It's never about condemnation and pointing out their faults. How do we walk through this mm -hmm. to where this pain has a purpose? So that would be the main promotion is that we're going to walk through this and we're not going to stay here, but you're going to eventually help someone and then finding ways that they have an outlet to help people as they're walking through their failure. One of the benefits of doing a podcast and not doing this on Sunday morning yeah. with a mixed crowd is we can be a little more direct. Yeah. And tell me what are the main areas where you, the young adults, the the now generation, where do they where do they feel like they fail more often than not? Yeah. Pornography mm -hmm. is running rampant right now. They're at home all day with phones. Their friends are texting them things. You know, they're filled with so much. Those who are in church right. are filled with so much guilt, with so much shame because mm. they know they shouldn't be doing it. But this is a demon that you cannot break on your own. It's accessible to you at all times. It's easier right. to get than drugs, and it becomes an, a drug-like feeling. So in, in drugs... Nobody wants to feel suicidal, right. and that's just a, a, a deeper hole, depression, mm. anxiety. I mean, they are all filled with anxiety, and they're at home all day mm -hmm. because they don't have anything to get out of their head. Right. So when you're home, even if you're in a computer, yeah. you're thinking, you're distracted, you're on this phone. So those healthy endorphins of sports have mm -hmm. been taken away, and just being around people right. has been taken away. So I, I think their people skills are failing dramatically as well. The uh, this, which is amazing because <laughs> we have set up this perfect storm to hurt at those younger adults because they say that the fastest way to get a teenager in a better mood is to help them get more sleep. But the blue screens of phones and iPads and computers and, and TV and binge watching tricks your brain into thinking it needs to stay awake. And if a teenager doesn't get at least seven hours of sleep a night, it causes serious uh, health issues for them and mental issues for them. Yeah. So the ver they're stuck at home. We told them for forever, don't spend so much time on social media. Now it's like sit down and be on Zoom all day long. <laughs> And then binge watch, you know, TV yeah. shows at night, and yeah. then talk to your friends on a screen. So, that's a that's the number one way to improve their overall health and attitude is sleep. Yeah, which the social media devices take away. 
unbelievable. So I, I don't have an answer for that, yeah. but uh, do you, I mean, do you remember, recall, the church was pretty big on this for a while, of trying to get kids off social media. Now overnight it's like, no, 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 you gotta be on social media. Yeah. It's the only way to communicate. Yeah, and then you gotta come to church on, right. on Zoom. Right. <laughs> or watch yeah, a was... two hour church program. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how about, what, what do you consider healthy socialization what what do teenagers do young adults do and how do you do it where, you, where they're gathering in a way that you feel like it's healthy for their soul yeah. what is healthy what is not healthy yeah well everybody has to follow whatever convictions they have if you wear a mask if you don't wear a mask but providing an opportunity for them to gather they have to gather uh, it doesn't have to be a lot of them. You can mm -hmm. do it as small as five, mm -hmm. but they have to gather. They have to uh, be in community with, with one another, and they need a safe place. They need to know that they can go somewhere, somewhere in this world, which is never going to be school, where they're not judged. Mm -hmm. Somewhere that when the worship comes on or when a leader walks in the room, it doesn't matter what they're wearing, what part of the neighborhood they come from, what kind of background they have, where they can just have a white space to dream mm -hmm. and that they can have someone who actually believes in their future. Mm -hmm. so I'm big on hope, community, and then they, they need uh, someone that's gonna correct them along the mm -hmm. way, that's gonna say, hey, there's a better way than that. So um, really love, I think, is the, the main thing. Do they have somewhere where they can be themselves, yeah. they trust the individuals, and they're being loved? And it's always good to feed any teenager. Well, then that's, that was yeah. my next question. What Little Caesars answer? is gospel and yeah. youth ministry. <laughs> that they love food. Food, food buys currency. Amen. You know. Yeah. And, I, and my question was, how do you make them feel safe? And that was exactly yeah. you make them feel loved yeah. and heard. Yeah. Now. The other big one, and I know our youth group, we've talked about it in our young adults, is they're being told by the adults, by the quote-unquote academic intellectuals, to question even their gender identity. Yeah. And so now we have a whole generation that, that questions even, am I a boy? Am I a girl? What am I? And so these are things that add you know you added to COVID, add to this pandemic add to the fear add to that isolation. now we're questioning what your real biological gender yeah. is and so uh, i'm I, I i'm sure you've dealt with this and i know parents are dealing with this having a child say i don't know if i'm gay or not this is this is a real issue yeah and we have the process as adults to logically look at you know what god is saying or how we feel what's happening but they don't have the capacity yet to have such a mature you know conversation with himself and with god and with others so how, how do you handle a younger generation with the supposed knowledgeable adults giving them information making them question their very identity and their gender yeah i think as the church we really have to stop playing whack-a-mole so a kid will rise up with a question, you just whack them down. You know, they won't even know what whack-a-mole is, but yeah. us parents know that game. When we used to go places that had germs everywhere. But I think we need to give them a place where it's okay to ask that question. Yeah. Okay, that's great that you're even thinking in that way. Mm -hmm. let, let me show you who God says you are. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, mm -hmm. the only one who can label you is the one who created you. Mm -hmm. So really having patience 
this is a journey. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus walked eight miles with those guys. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to walk the six years of the most volatile, hormonal, brain-developing mm-hmm. age that they're ever going to. I mean, mm-hmm. that brain is not cooked till about 24. Mm-hmm. So, And some of them still don't get cooked. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to be able to talk and not get offended. But look at it as an yeah. opportunity that this is why I've given my life other than just See, what this generation wants is they want to promote. They are not a consumer generation. They're a creative right. generation. They, are. they want to create content. They want to be involved. Yeah. My yeah. attendance went through the roof when I, I had to change my plan and say, you know what? I'm wrong here. I, you had to go through a four-week discipleship course before you can put a lanyard on and stack chairs. <laughs> And the Lord told me, listen, that kid doesn't need to know the gospel to belong and stack a chair. So now you want to be a server? You can serve next week. We'll put a lantern on you, and they feel proud. I have someone right now who's um, struggling with their identity, but they felt the presence of God. They felt the Holy Spirit. Their whole family has gotten saved but they still don't know who they are completely. Are they a leader on the stage? No, but they have a voice and they're allowed to come and serve at the church and we're crossing the bridge as we walk with them and then through a DNA true 12-week discipleship, hey, these are the standards that and our core values here. But um, you gotta earn the right to speak in this next generation. Mm-hmm. They don't want their grandparents' religion, mm-hmm. and they've seen a lot of people talk about Jesus and not be Jesus. Mm-hmm. So th- they want something tangible. And if we show them Jesus, mm-hmm. Jesus do the rest. It's not our job to change people. That's good. So you're you're helping them develop a healthy identity. And by the way, the, the second thing to help a teenager improve their, their attitude after sleep was to have them feel uh, value in an activity. Yeah. And you said sports is one of them, but yeah. serving in the church is another one. So, you know, the, and the benefit that you have, and a parent, and I think parents need to really consider this. Like the pastor, the pastor and the parent have the greatest ability to speak truth. Where a teacher who works for a, a public school system has a ridiculous, ridiculous amount of restrictions on what they can and cannot say. So, um, do you think that? And you're limited in how much time you have with them before they are 18 and on their own. Yeah. So what would you say to a parent, knowing that what they get at school from a public school may be completely different than the beliefs they have at home, and knowing that, at least right now, the parent still has the ability to speak truth into their child. Talk to a parent for a second. Well, what should they do? How should they talk and, and to their children to help them embrace values and beliefs that will sustain them through their life? Yeah. Well, that's a million dollar question. Mm -hmm. I would say to any parent out there, as I say to myself and my wife, to challenge their kids from an early age and ask them, how's your soul? You know, a question that they're not gonna get at school. Everyone says, how you doing? The number one answer is busy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're all busy, but we're all going nowhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was just spinning our wheels. So how is your soul? Mm. What are you reading in the word? And really challenging our kids, because truth is not enough. Everyone's like, oh, just give them the truth. Truth applied, 
is what matters. Right. <laughs> you can tell the truth all you want, but if you're not applying it, your life's not changing. So really checking in, doing a Bible plan with your kid, it's not the cool thing, but if they're doing it, hey, at this at dinner, what are you reading in the Word? Mm-hmm. How can I help you? And yes. really being that parent that, hey, I've made a lot of mistakes, and yes. being transparent with our kids. I think me and my son, last night when we went home, we had the greatest talk. The first few times I would ask him what he got, oh, nothing. I'd be like, nothing? you know. And then one time, all the other kids were in the car. He was the only one who said nothing. Yeah. They all gave the textbook to yeah. the pastor. Yeah. And then when it was just me and him, he was like, hey, you know, I, what does this mean? That And he started to open up, and we can have a real conversation yeah. where he can feel, because a lot of times kids of Christians feel less than a kid who comes from a home that's not Christian right. and the pastor's loving on him. Right. We look like the answer. But if you're a believer, you look like mom and dad who is just going to punish me. So I would build a bridge based on mm-hmm. what God is doing in their life and speak into that. And can I add one more thing? Please. I'm, Please. I'm preaching to the choir here. Yeah. I think we need as parents to speak into our kids' future and what God sees and not what we see in the immediate instead of the mistake, the potential that they could be. Mm-hmm. So while we're punishing, make sure we're speaking to the future of what they are because a lot of times we're harder on our kids than when we would be on somebody else's. So make that a real example. Let's say uh, this mom is at work and one of her kids lies to her, Yeah, doesn't do something that we're supposed to do. And she comes home and sees that the child said it was done, but it wasn't done. Yeah. So give me an example of how the, the mom or the dad would speak to that child truth, but also speak life into the yeah. future. Obviously, you you correct the child and for doing not doing what they were supposed to do, but then say that's not who you are. This is who you are. This is your calling in life. God has given you a prophetic word. Prophesy over your kids. Speak their future into existence. Listen, you're not a liar. You're called. You're chosen. You're set apart. You're a royal priesthood, and you have a plan and a purpose. And this behavior doesn't align with who you are. And I'm not going to label you by this behavior. You're going to be punished by this behavior. But I'm not going to label you by this. And let's let's do this thing together and spend time talking about who they are opposed to punishing them for a mistake they did. Now, uh, I'm, I can guarantee you somebody who is watching this podcast appreciates the faith that you have. But they don't have your faith. They don't even know where this all this faith goes and maybe they haven't been to church maybe they've had a bad experience with church maybe they don't know anything about the bible um and some of the truths you're talking about so talk to someone right now maybe yeah. a parent or a teenager they don't have your faith what is your faith yeah and how do they receive their faith and why should they receive the faith that you have yeah. uh, my faith is in jesus christ alone that he died for my sins. And I found myself in a place where I couldn't rely on my strength anymore. So I had to hit my knees and look up. And God sent his son for me so that I can have a plan and I can have a future. But if I didn't have faith and I was speaking to my son, I would speak to his potential. But I wanna challenge you as a parent in this moment that you didn't come across this channel by accident, that you're not sitting here listening to two pastors by accident. 
God's word says that he wishes that none would perish and that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All watching this, all mistakes are forgiven and we don't get to heaven by being good or bad people. We get to heaven by having faith in a holy God. So I would challenge you right now as you're watching this that if you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved, period. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Appreciate that. Uh, and by the way, we do have, uh, we will have a link in, at the bottom here. And if you're questioning what uh, Alex is saying and you're questioning what that means to be a Christian, yeah. uh, we will have resources available for you to look online and to find ways to answer the questions because I'm, you know, you have a lot of questions yeah. when you decide to make that decision. Yeah. So they'll be available for you uh, at the bottom of the, at the link. You know how you get these crazy quotes that come out of places that are questionable, but they still are great quotes. Yeah, I want to tell you one that came from the Game of Thrones. Okay. All right. That's <laughs> like the best show in the world. Yeah. But I love it because... I've never it, seen it. <laughs> well, I, I just, I've seen blurbs on YouTube, yeah. by the way, but I, I probably watched the whole thing because mm. I, I'm into that kind of stuff where the medieval stuff, right? Yeah. But this is the one thing I love. There was a scene with this guy named, his name was Lord Baelish. He's the bad guy. He's the dude who causes all the trouble, right? And he tries to uh, put the queen in a bad place. And he says to her, he says to her, knowledge is power. And then she gets her guards to go over there, and she says, "You know what? Kill him." And then they go to kill him, and he goes, and she goes, "No, stop." And then when they stop, she goes, "Power is power." And I thought, you know, our kids see people who say they have knowledge, who are quote unquote following the science, telling them different things month after month after month after month about mm -hmm. where we came from, what's real, what's not, what to believe, what not. They say they have knowledge. And they're telling children this knowledge, but the knowledge they say keeps changing. The science doesn't make sense. And then we see people who have power, who are our leaders, using their power with absolute autonomy because of the pandemic. And so you have our young adults who feel powerless already, confused already. Yeah. So my question to you is, you must have you must draw on some kind of knowledge to do what you do where does it come from and you must draw on some kind of power to do what you do where does that come from where do you alex find your knowledge for the truths you talk about and where do you find your power to believe you can make a difference with our our young adults yeah. for me i mean all of the knowledge and the power that i walk in and authority is found in the bible um, I believe, this is my personal belief, that we don't need any more high-capacity leaders. We need men and women who are in the presence of a holy God that can show his love to this world. Because, I mean, the, the Bible's clear. We're supposed to be salt in this world, a light shining. So if I have a faith that doesn't attract, what kind of faith do I have? Mm -hmm. I mean, if I believe what I truly believe, it is the greatest news in the world. It means that I'm going to, I'm, I'm immortal. Talk about Game of Thrones. I'm never going to die. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, Spider-Man don't have anything on me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and not by anything that I did. And that's the beauty of the Christian faith opposed to any other faiths. You have to die for your God for all others. My God died for me. Mm -hmm. He's the one sitting on the throne. So I think if we're going to be leaders in the Christian world, mm -hmm. we better be spending time in our Bible. If 2020 has showed us anything, 
every time you turn on the TV, another pastor has fallen. And as a young pastor that hasn't been in this very long, that scares me and shakes me to my mm. core because some of these guys I looked up to and they've done amazing things in the kingdom and all of us are flawed. So the power has to come from Jesus mm-hmm. and the love has to be Jesus's because the reality is I have no power to change anyone. I have nothing that I can encourage you enough I can move you emotionally to an altar and you can shed some tears. Mm-hmm. But if a life is going to be transformed, mm-hmm. only the power of Jesus Christ can do that. And, and that's the faith that I believe in. Next one is how do you, because we're coming out of this isolation time and trying to reestablish relationships, how are you building teams? Who are you building teams with? What resources should we be connecting with? Yeah. How do we re-collaborate with uh, other people that are not just our immediate family. Yeah. So in my in my case, being a youth pastor, we have a team for our youth ministry. 2020 was rough. Mm-hmm. It, it exposed a lot of people's motives for coming to church. Mm-hmm. When the church was closed, we had adults that would just come and maybe check a list that, hey, mm-hmm. I, I came Wednesday, did my duty and left. Mm-hmm. But what we're seeing with this generation, if you're only serving on Wednesday, you, you've lost. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a Monday through Sunday. This is a, you're investing in a life. Mm-hmm. You're not just doing a good moral mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. So what we're seeing is building a team that counts the cost first. Mm-hmm. That, hey, I need a commitment that you are going to invest into these kids because mm-hmm. the last thing this generation needs is someone else to abandon them. Mm-hmm. So I think setting the platform that what's your commitment, this is what ex- is expected. Mm-hmm. And then from there, structuring it according to giftings. Mm-hmm. We believe that in the church that you are living your best life for Jesus, mm-hmm. one, when you're saved and two, when you're serving. Mm-hmm. So where are you, where is your God-given gift? Mm-hmm. I don't need a volunteer. I empower calling. Where are you called by a holy God to mm-hmm. serve? And I want to pour as much gasoline on that as possible because now you're living your purpose. And through your purpose, you're reaching the next generation. I think that would be another future discussion just on how to discover your calling. What is a calling? Yeah. What is a passion? Yeah. What is it like? It's like... I think there's so many opportunities to figure out what your calling is. That's a whole other discussion for yeah. one of the day. <laughs> yeah. But that's a good dis- discussion yeah. to have. Uh, I'm going to also have links in there for help. If you have, a, if you or someone you know is struggling, we're going to have helplines to call because we want to make sure there's, there's plenty of places to get help. If you're feeling anxiety, you're feeling worried, you're feeling suicidal, we have links. Just call the number and you have immediate access to people that can help you. I want you to give us a final word of encouragement, a speak a word of life. Yeah. Uh, I happen to believe that because we serve an omnipresent God that doesn't matter that we're sitting in this room today. This could reach someone in South Africa when it airs and it could change their life. And so I want you to say one final word of encouragement to both young adults that are watching and those who oversee young adults. Give them some encouraging, something encouraging to to go with. Uh, Especially to this next generation, I just want to tell you, you are not canceled. That God of heaven and earth chose your generation to come up in the middle of a pandemic. He chose you worthy enough to be isolated. Mom and dad, 
God chose you to be a parent in the middle of a pandemic. It's not by accident, it's by design. And I wanna give you some hope today that if you don't know Jesus, that you have an opportunity through these links, you have an amazing pastor here to encounter this hope that we're talking about. But God does not make mistakes. He knew we would be here and he knows there's a purpose for it. And if we, if we keep our eyes on the problem, we can't see the solution. So he's gonna take this pain and give it a platform. So whatever you're going through today, I encourage you to reach out to someone. Mom and dad, reach out to these links below, another pastor, somebody where your faith can be activated mm -hmm. because I believe the best days are yet to come. Ephesians 3.20 says, now to him who is able to do abundantly more than we can ask, think, or imagine, God is gonna take this generation mm -hmm. that everyone is saying is gonna be the worst generation mm -hmm. of all. Well, there was a little boy named David in the Bible who showed up and everyone thought, what are you doing here with pizza to give to his brothers? And he took down a giant. Mm -hmm. So when I see this generation labeled mm -hmm. uh, a thrown away or a canceled generation, mm -hmm. I just get excited mm -hmm. because I believe there's a generation rising up right now that wants the authenticity of a holy God. And our God is no respecter of person. Those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And I truly believe we will see the greatest awakening in this nation yeah. from this generation. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's happening now. Yes. Because they are the now generation. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. Thank you, Pastor Alex, yeah. for being here. Of I course. appreciate it. Yeah. And by the way, uh, please subscribe to this podcast. Tell your friends about it. And... There's no subject we will refuse to talk about on How in the World podcast. So there's an email down below. Send the email. Pastor Rini, this is who I want you to interview, or this is the subject I'd like to hear about, or this is the area that we'd like to have information on, because How in the World is designed to have an international feel to it. You may know something about something happening in another country that we definitely need to talk about. So nothing's off the table. This is a safe place to have conversations. So send me your emails, say hi, and by the way, thank you for watching. Mm -hmm.